Hey guys, I am Texan Slim Podcast, and we return. We come back to a place that is very near and dear to a lot of people's hearts already. Um, we are at Two Bar City Ranch. We are at the basically ground zero of uh, the beef initiative. We're at the same place that we pretty much launched the Cattleman's Feast last year. We're with Clyde Summerlotti. He is basically co-owner of Hometown Meats in Luling, Texas. He is also a, one of the best geneticists in Angus cattle. He is the owner of Two Bar C Ranch. We're in his cell barn and uh, we're gonna have a chat today. We uh, actually had a podcast. You guys are gonna wanna return to that. It was back in November of last year. And we do these recordings so we can have a historical marker of the progress of the beef initiative. Uh, Clyde, good morning. Good morning. Glad to have you back. Good to see you again with your worldly travels. I know. uh, (laughs) Glad to have you back home in Texas. Well, I felt bad because, man, communications across the seas is tough. You know, I was 19 hours ahead of you guys. And so I said, well, I'm not going to. Sometimes I say, hey, I'm going to reach out to Jason or Cole or Clyde. And I couldn't because I'd wake you up. So but it's good to be back in Texas and it's good to be back here. We've had a lot of discussions about, you know, what it is that we're doing. Well, you guys definitely know what you're doing and you've known what you're doing. Why don't you give a quick recap of everything that you're involved with basically here in Central Texas. Doesn't have to be too long, but let's get a refresher going. Okay, well, we run a registered Angus herd. um, And with that, we try to create genetics that are on the upper end of marbling and ribeye and tenderness. And uh, then we partnered with uh, Cole about four years ago and him using our genetics. Uh, He and I then started partnering on cattle and uh, then we had COVID hit and we had cattle that we were trying to bring to market and uh, we had problems with processing which led us to how do we deal with what we've been dealt in this deck of cards and uh, we decided to launch the project to build hometown meat market. And uh, that initiative uh, was not only for Cole's cattle and my cattle, but also to support all of the producers here in Central Texas that needed a place to produce on a consistent basis, have consistent packaging. We work with them to private label their products for their own distribution. Uh, So we have a lot of different guys that produce different breeds of cattle Mm -hmm. uh, and have different niche markets. And our niche market has been uh, driven off of my Angus genetics, um, but it's also a product that is a natural product, no antibiotics, no hormones, uh, very conscientious of what our cattle eat and how they're treated, uh, because in the end, all of that end product of meat goes into human consumption. And we want it to be the most wholesome uh, product that moves everyone forward in a positive direction. You know, and that's a good way to start this whole recording. I think right now, you know, me being overseas, you know, I see a different perspective, perspectives. You know, perspective of here in the United States right now is really people are starting to pay attention about clean beef. Let's just say clean beef. And you just said, you know, no antibiotics, no steroids. Right now we have the mRNA scares and deceptions yeah. and misinformation and propaganda. And nobody really understands, you know, really what's going on or what might unfold. 
but you kind of sum it up. It's like, well, start with basically, you know, the, the genetics of the cow. Why is the genetics of the cow important? What does the genetics bring to that beef whenever it gets onto your fork? Yeah. And I don't think we have enough of that information as far as being, I always tell everybody, you know, you can be the new modern day cattleman, and that comes with a lot of research and analysis, but it's also basically understanding what you need to study. With you, you know, Cole's herd that he started with K&T Cattle was based on your genetics. That's why you guys partnered up. That's why everybody loves Cole's beef, yeah. right? And your beef now through Hometown Meats. It's a collective collaboration. And, and by saying that, let's talk about that. Let's, let's talk about the marbling. Let's talk about what people really don't ever understand how they can disseminate. Well, you know, there's all these APDs on, on the cattle, but when it comes to the end product, it's what is the flavor of the meat? Uh, what is the texture of the meat? How tender is it? Um, good marbled meat with good flavor that has not been fed the wrong things creates a product that is very wholesome and very good for human consumption and to get us through life for a long time. Uh, one day, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of our employees wasn't able to show up for work and Cole called me and said, hey, can you go man the meat counter? <laughs> uh, that sort of was a, a little bit of a challenge for me, but right. uh, I jumped in and uh, I got to the meat plant and opened up, and uh, when I drove into the parking lot, there was a vehicle standing or parked in the corner, and I said, I wonder what that guy's here for it's so early in the morning, and uh, I got the store opened up and uh, walked back out, and I waved at the guy, and he came in, and uh, he'd been sitting there probably for 45 minutes before we were supposed to open, and uh, he drove all the way in from Houston. Yeah. and. Uh, he shared his story with me, which was some health issues that he'd had in the past, and he'd been eating these products and uh, had his data uh, that he was reciting to me that uh, was pretty impressive. So I think it's uh, people are, want to be much more aware of what they eat. Uh, they want to know where it comes from. They want to know how it was treated. Uh, and they want to try to do what is right for themselves going sure. forward. And so that's really important. But you know, at Hometown, this, our model was to be able to process our beef. Uh, running an, Now we're up to, I think, 771 cows that we can get uh, registered cattle out of um, through embryos and or them being full-blood uh, full Angus that are registered Angus. Um, but when you have that number of cattle and you raise those calves, the about 25% roughly uh, to 30 uh, make the cut to be for reproduction. Sure, sure. And the balance is great cattle, but they don't have all of the numbers that a purebred breeder is going to want to advance their genetics. Right. And so part of my decision in partnering with Cole and building Hometown Meats was a place to be able to drive that production, uh, which has got the right genetics in it, mm -hmm. but it's it's not at the top end of all of the indices that you need to have to be able to sell it as breeding stock to sure. registered breeders. And um, 
So, and then we started a buyback program uh, here at the ranch uh, two years ago, where people that buy bulls that are noted in my catalog at our sale, uh, that have certain marbling criteria and other criteria, um, we will then pay a 10 cent premium per pound. Yeah. So if a person weans a calf that, that weighs, uh, let's say it's $2 a pound for meat, keep the math simple, it's a 500 pound calf, that's uh, $1,000. So there's a $50 premium that gets paid yeah. on that calf uh, with no shrink, no, no other cost or anything associated with that. So I'm trying to give back to the people that buy the genetics an incentive to, to buy that genetics because we know that if we deal with the um, genetic aspect of marbling, ribeye size, tenderness, and then we couple in with that equation the feed efficiency mm -hmm. of that animal, what, what that animal eats, how much does it have to consume in the way of to put on dry that. matter yeah. to get to where we have a finished product. Right. And so if we can reduce food consumption that the cow has to eat or the calf has to eat um, to get to say 1,375, 1,400 pounds, if we can reduce that consumption by 20, 25%, by having more feed efficient animals, right. we're also reducing. When we get to producing more feed efficient animals, mm -hmm. uh, you know, 25 to 30 percent less consumption of dry matter, uh, we have 25, 20, 25 percent less greenhouse gases. Right. So we're protecting the environment. Uh, we're going in the right direction there, and that feed efficiency then plays back into the cowman that has those calves. And if they're retaining ownership, either through their own meat program that they take our genetics and use it in the program, it's more efficient for them and more profitable for them. Because right. feed, feed input costs have just gone through the roof. And uh, so we have to do everything, we, not only on the genetic side, but on the feed efficiency side to be profitable in the cattle business and to be giving the best product to the consumer. Well, and you talk about that, it's a protocol. It's a protocol of basically raising that cow from the very beginning, but it's also a protocol of how do you steward that cow all the way through the processing center. And whenever people kind of learn this overreaching kind of beef intelligence, as I like to say, it's like you take away a lot of the daunting aspects of the research and analysis and what you've spent, you know, you know, half your life doing basically being a cattleman. And that's what I tell everybody to be a modern day cattleman. Now, you can't be random about your choices. And it's not as difficult as people think it is, is basically kind of be educated on what you should be consuming and the partnerships and relationships that you should have when it comes to food. You know, with, with Hometown Meats, you know, speaking with Cole and you throughout the last year and a half, you know, it starts with the community. I mean, you came from Gonzales. You're right next to Luling, Texas is Gonzales, Texas. This is about building Texas community. It's where you and I came from. You know, we know what it was like. You're a little bit older than me, not much, but you're a little <laughs> bit older than me. But we did, we, have a, we had a different lifestyle. We had a different consumption model. We knew where our beef was coming from. And that's what you and Cole are doing, and it's really leading the way. Well, we're trying to take it back to when I was a kid. Right. And my grandfather and my dad and all of our family, we, uh, we raised our own food. Right. Okay. We knew, knew what we had. We knew what they ate. 
we processed them. There was a local processing plant that had a food locker mm -hmm. that we could leave the meat there if we didn't have a freezer. And uh, so we're trying to go back to that same kind of principle right. in today's world uh, where everyone can have a freezer and get a product that they can be confident in that that food product is going to meet their needs. Well, you and I were raised, and most of us, you know, that we know in the cattle industry, uh, we didn't worry about labels. We worried about relationships. I mean, that's what you had. You established relationship where, you know, now, you know, and, and I, I bring this up because I just came from overseas and I was in Australia and you talk about, you know, the climate and how that's really being leveraged against a lot of people. Whenever I was in Australia, there's, you know, I met with many rancher farmers over there is what they're called. And they're really growing some fantastic beef and they're doing it exactly the same way is like you and Cole or Jason Rick or everybody that's in the beef initiative. But one thing you see within the beef industry in Australia is they're not eating their beef. What they're doing is they're labeling these basically, you know, the, the, the industrial beef as we like to call it with carbon credits on the packaging you know this is this is carbon free it's carbon less it's everything they are playing the climate game mm -hmm. if you really want to look at what's good for the climate it is the regenerative cattle in which you basically raise and steward and that's where a lot of people are kind of they're, they're they don't know they think a label really secures that it doesn't it really is that relationship it really is and uh you know that's why we've tried to partner with uh with probably have about 40 producers that mm -hmm. uh, I buy cattle back from uh, on an annual basis. And uh, I go look at their herds, uh, doing it the old fashioned way, uh, going out and talking to people one-on-one. -on -one. We're, yes. not on, we're not on this thing here. Right. Uh, maybe to get to, to meet. To use it as meet, a tool, yeah. But uh, get together and, uh, and, and talk about their herd, talk about what they're doing, what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing. Uh, in the way of protocols mm -hmm. and uh, to where we can all get to the final end of where we want wanting to take that meat product. Well, and you brought it up earlier. You have some producers that you're, you're taking care of. You have the buyback programs you actually sell and you will buy back. Uh, but you can do that now because of the processing center. There's a right. protocol once again. But what's really, I was talking to Cole the other day, you're getting more and more producers that are basically, now they're changing their protocols maybe a little bit, but now they have access to the processing center. Yep. Let's talk about the processing center being the bottleneck of a lot of success or lack thereof for the producers? Well, it's, um, it's a challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, processing center, um, the biggest challenge with processing today is people. Yeah. And getting enough people uh, to do the work that needs to be done. Yeah. Uh, we've sort of lost uh, a couple of generations uh, of people that uh, don't have the work ethic, don't have the desire, the drive. Um, and that's something that I think probably not too far down the road is going to start changing a little bit when times get a little bit harder. Yeah. You're probably in line for that happening. And uh, the um, so when some things happen that are bad, they may not be bad. Right. That's the one thing that I've always, uh, in all of my businesses and career over the last more than 50 years uh, uh, it's been um, anytime something that's been thrown out that was an obstacle 
you turn that obstacle. I told all of my sales guys, uh, you know, we just got dealt a, a pile of shit. Yeah. And what is shit? Fertilizer. Yeah. So let's take this fertilizer and let's go grow something. Yes. And um, and I think that's really true. You you go in a direction and sometimes you have to pivot and move in another direction and it creates bigger bigger roads to go down. And I yeah. think that's really important. And at the meat plant, being able to have many other local producers, and I think we're, we probably have customers now coming from as far as 90 miles away. Um, Houston, I mean, Houston, you know, every... um, Dallas area, mm -hmm. Fort Worth area, uh, to process with us, and beyond that, to buy product. Right. Okay, but a place to come to where we can have um, a constant production fulfilling their needs for them to sell their products in whatever distribution they do. Because yeah. I think we're all in this game together. Uh, I don't think any of us, you know, some people think we're all competitors. I think we're all working together to achieve the best result for the consumer. We have to, you know, and there has been division. And a lot of that was, you know, just basically whenever we did introduce the multinational processing centers, it created a lot of competition. It wasn't competitions that the producers wanted, but it was a competition that they had to participate in to survive. Yep. And we see the outcome of that. And there is competition, but it's not willing. It's, it's basically driven by, you know, the manipulations and everything that you get in the, you know, the global beef industry. But, you know, I, I basically, you know, use a quote, uh, actually Jacob Wolke in Australia, he goes, hey, there is no competition in regenerative farming and ranching. There's only collaboration. Yep. And that's what, you know, I'm going, that's Beef Initiative, we're one big collaboration. And we need people to come across, you know, that competition layer that might have, might have existed in the past. But there is enough people that want this type of protocol of basically sourcing the right kind of beef in the right kind of nutrition through the right kind of processing center in the right community. And it, it all goes hand in hand. And it is a collection of uh, collaborations within the community itself. You know, speaking with Butch and Monty and Cole just yesterday, they were talking about, hey, we're starting to see a difference in Luling, Texas with what we're doing. You're getting the right people that are wanting to work there. They're taking pride in it. And you're starting to see the fallout of being able to have different offerings that Luling did not have. It takes time and it's been a it's been a tough road, but I, I kinda see what you know, you know, you guys went through some painful times in the last six months, in the last two and a half years, really. Well, really in the last two and a half years. Yeah. But I, I think it's it's definitely all worth it. Um, our product is uh, readily and highly accepted, uh, very, very positive comments back as to, to the product. And uh, we just want to keep driving that, uh, getting more customers into eating this, this type of beef that is quality and, and good for them and wholesome and uh, hopefully keeping them healthy for a longer period of time. Because our food chain, uh, too much of what is being eaten today is driving us in the wrong direction. Yes. And uh, so that educational process, you know, we got all aspects from the calf to the plate to the final consumption, trying to keep people from going to doctors. Mm -hmm. uh, all of that down the road, how much can that help out from the way of the cost for a family 
if they're more healthy and have less doctors and have less major doctor bills in the end. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. I mean, in, in a way, I mean, uh, never thought I would be at this point. Uh, mm -hmm. Having grown up, uh, got in the cattle business and um, really wasn't, it's a way of life. It is. Uh, not really much, I wouldn't say it's like being, having a hobby or anything. It's just a way of life. Mm -hmm. It's a and lifestyle. It's a it, lifestyle. It really and is. The, uh, the, the best thing that I like about it, I can do conference calls in my truck. <laughs> I can be watching a calf being born and nobody else knows that I'm in my truck no. with the technology today and I can be on conference calls with people in five states and uh, or even out of the country yeah. in some of the things that we're doing. So it, uh, and that is probably the best therapy for a guy like me, uh, being in that environment and being able to function with my other companies as well as what we're doing at Hometown yeah. and at Two Bar C. Um, and just really enjoying uh, enjoying the day, and uh, still being very productive uh, on the other side. Well, and you bring that up. I mean, we we leverage technology in the way we can, and we say no to technology whenever we need to say no to technology. I think a lot of technology, you know, living in the digital world that we live in, has made us complacent, and that yearning for convenience has kind of gone overboard with our food. And I always tell everybody, it's like food is not convenience. It's basically our grandfathers and grandmothers used it as a form of survival. And if you can point your lifestyle towards something that helps you survive and that being the best beef in the world going through hometown meats of course yeah. <laughs> and through the beef initiative and KNC cattle and two bar C it's a no-brainer it just becomes your lifestyle naturally and that's why I keep on saying it's like okay we've had the ranch ranchers of the past ranching of the past is kind of days gone by you have to do more now. You have to understand more. You have to leverage the technology in a way to where you can, any individual can become the modern day cattleman. The information's out there. Use these tools in the right way to educate you so you can feed your family. You talk about, you know, uh, medical bills. You, you know medical, you know insurance. A lot of people always say beef is too expensive if it's coming from a, a you know, with, you know, KNC cattle or a hometown meats. Let's just say a hometown meat market. That perspective is way off. And if people can eliminate their doctor's bills and they're basically, their health improves, look at the overall basically macro picture of what is expensive. Is it expensive to basically, you know, have a metabolical uh, health issue in your 60s? and that you're going to be basically on prescription drugs for the rest of your life or that you've been consuming the right kind of meats. And I think people are really starting to understand that. And, you know, we, we see it daily. We talk about microbiomes in the guts. I mean, and this is getting pretty deep with food intelligence. And I told everybody from the very beginning in the collaboration with you and Cole and everybody else in uh, Beef Initiative, that this is basically a, a good brand new health initiative that is spreading across the United States and the American rancher cattleman is going to lead that and it's it's coming true. Well it definitely is coming true and uh, as more research gets done on that it just proves what we've known all along. Sure.
Yeah, you know, we so, lived it. I mean, that's yep. what, like you said before we started recording. I mean, we we woke up in the mornings, we started playing. We didn't get home until the sun went down. That's right. And, and we had the energy. We had the, you know, we had everything. We had the spirit. We had the nutrition. And it wasn't something that we had to to fight for. But as you said, you know, once there's prohibition, you know, within space, money, you know, opportunity, well, you innovate through that. Yep. And that's what I see right now is that we're able to do. Yeah, because as a kid, back in the 50s, it was, uh, we ate from a garden mm -hmm. that we grew. Sure. We raised our own beef, lamb, pork, chicken. Mm -hmm. um, and um, that was the lifestyle. And so people being able today to get back to that with different companies that are providing those type of products back to those days. Yeah. Um, is is exciting. It's really exciting. It is, and you know, let's go back to lifestyle because I think people are, you know, they're tired of you know being locked down. They're tired of basically all the, I guess, anxiety that you see out there. They're tired of the, you know, the hyperinflation. And in your lifestyle is something that, you know, this is something that you incorporate every day, you know, working out of your truck on the ranch, right? Yep. But let's say, what is the day in the life, the next two weeks of Clyde Summer Lottie? I mean, you're, you're gonna go to Fort Worth, you're gonna have a wedding reception here at the cell barn. Let's everybody know, what is yeah, the lifestyle? Well, well my lifestyle is uh, tomorrow I'll be going to Fort Worth. I'm selling a, uh, a pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So for people that are in the, don't know much about the cattle business. About 99%. You know, it is, uh, there are a lot of different ways to generate revenue uh, from a breeding perspective. And sure. one way is to sell a pregnancy. Uh, and probably the best pregnancy to sell is a heifer pregnancy. Yes. Uh, because that's what drives the, uh, the uh, production of the next generation of, uh, of animals. And so that's what I have going on. Then uh, the following weekend, I'll be back at the ranch. Uh, we are weaning some additional cattle next week. Uh, we are shipping some cattle uh, that are going uh, to some of our other lease places, mm -hmm. uh, to different grass pastures. And then uh, we have a wedding reception that'll be here in our sale barn, in our dining area and everything. Uh, uh, the following Saturday, uh, the week after that, um, I'll be headed to California to another sale. Mm -hmm. uh, got a really nice heifer that'll be sold in that sale uh, on the 29th. And um, so, in between that, I'll be online uh, tomorrow as I'm in Fort Worth. I'll be online uh, trying to buy. Uh, one or two lots that I picked out at Friendship Forums in uh, in Georgia. So I'll be on the phone. Um, I can be on the phone with CCI Live and, and bidding, or I can have someone on the phone that's there and uh, sort of just uh, enjoy the day and buy cattle. And, <laughs> and again, that, that goes back to the people that you deal with. Uh, I like to put my eyes on an animal or I like someone to put their eyes on it that I trust. Sure. And so there's a lot of collaboration that goes on when we're, when we're doing things like that. And um, one of the things, the, the Fort Worth sale uh, that's going to be tomorrow at 5 
uh, in the evening there. Um, it's probably 30 breeders from around the country, three of which I have partnership cattle with that I've bought that I've never met in person, only talked to on the phone. So right. it's a good way to finally meet some people and uh, get to talk face to face and uh, that type of thing and try to maybe expand some of those relationships uh, as we go forward. Because it, every day, it's if you're not advancing, you're going backwards. 100%, 100%, such is life, right? Well, and that's, it's, it's kind of cool because, you know, what we did here is back in November, we had the first formal, uh, you know, kill it and grill it cattlemen's feast. And I think we had about 250 people here. You have other functions here. Uh, I think it's time that we basically ramp up the signal. Uh, I think people are wanting to come back. They saw a lot of the video and the pictures of the Cattlemen's Feast, you know, having 250 people here eating the best beef in the world. But, uh, you know, I was talking with Cole and Butch the other day, and, you know, I think we need to return and have another Cattlemen's Feast. And we're going to make this the basically the, the center of the universe for the Cattlemen's Feast across the world. Well, we look so, forward to that. Yeah, this is going to be a good time. Um, on that lifestyle thing, here I was last year kind of shooting in all directions, you know, getting the foundation set for the Beef Initiative. You know, you're gonna be in Fort Worth tomorrow. And what we're doing with Texas Slims Media, you know, we have June, our executive producer. Well, I'm back in the pickup truck. I'm traveling across the, the nation. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna continue this conversation because I wanna know where every producer rancher is in the United States and I want them to open up their gates like you have. And I want to basically do these types of interviews because you talk about networking and how important it is. How important it is to have your boots on the ground and looking at somebody in the face, shaking their hand. It is a lifestyle that basically has obligation and it's a wonderful, wonderful lifestyle. If I didn't reach out to Cole Bolton, I'd have never met you and I'd never met Jason. I'd never met your family. I'd never been here at Two Bar C, but this is how it works. Yep. And it's one big collaboration. Um, on that note, what would you like to tell people? What do you see in the beef in the industry in the next 12 months that you want people to pay attention to? I usually say, don't worry about anything, just go shake your rancher's hand. Well, I think over the next 12 months, uh, we're gonna see uh, in our local economy and in our national economy, maybe a step backwards. Yeah. Uh, I think that gives everyone some time to pause a little bit and maybe think a little deeper and try to get on the right direction in the way in what they're eating and what they're buying wherever they buy what they eat mm -hmm. and try to become more positive in whatever you're doing that is going to be beneficial to your body yeah and I think that is becoming um, more and more evident um, just by the feedback from the customer base we've built uh, and the way that the product has been accepted. And I think whether it be at Hometown or any other farm to table program around the country, get to know the producer um, and um, enjoy the product. Yeah. Well, and what we're going to do is we're going to steward families all across the United States. Uh, the Beef Initiative is a collaboration. We have over 100, I think about 150 to 160 producers that now have come in voluntarily. 
This is a group effort. It's a, it's a national movement. Uh, I tell everybody that Hometown Meets in Luling, Texas is now ground zero. It's the center of the universe because it's, it's got precedence. Everything that everybody needs to know about what is going on in the beef industry and basically within your consumption or action or market access to the best beef in the world, it's happening right here. So um, on that note, Clyde, we're going to travel around the United States. You're gonna travel around the United States and we're gonna basically keep on coming back here and you know, I can't say enough about your family, everything, the collaboration that you've done with Cole. You're making a difference, and it's gonna be my job to let everybody know that, so. Well, the one thing that I can say is we're having fun. Yeah, that's what this and is about. And I can about. tell you, uh, in life, you better have fun every day. Uh, be positive, uh, just keep charging ahead. There's so many things that are on the sidelines that you can listen to, hear, see. Uh, Maybe we should all put, to a certain degree, some blinders on yeah. and point ourselves in the directions we want to go and uh, let's focus on that and stuff that's on the side that's just trash and junk, mm -hmm. let it be trash and junk. I agree with you. Get, let's get hyper-focused. I tell everybody to you know, lose the fear porn. You know, we don't need it anymore. We don't need this. Get hyper-focused on what you want to be and what you want your children. You know, we're saving children's lives. We're saving basically generation of children to be able to have the type of spirit that we had as children. And so if you can't basically point your compass in that direction, then, you know, I don't know what to say. But, you know, let's well, go have some fun. Though. Let's have fun. All right, Clyde. Thank you so much. Good seeing you again, you Slim. Too. Glad right. to have you back in the USA. Me too. Actually, okay. there's no, no place like Texas, folks. And uh, share this video. Share this podcast recording. It's probably one of the most important discussions going on right now in the United States. Let's, uh, let's pay attention to our consumption model, our audio, our video, and our food. It's about sound health, sound money for a sound future. I'm Texas Slim. Are you? Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is June, executive producer, Texas Slim's Media. I just want to come in here in between the two conversations that Slim had with Clyde Summerlotti and Cole Bolton from Hometown Meats. Uh, we are driving on the interstate right now, working on the road, but I just wanted to come in and give everybody who streamed and boosted and podcasting 2.0 on the Fountain app and everywhere else, I wanna give all of you guys a big shout out. So for the boosts this week, first up, 1,000 sats from Nomad Joe. Florida beef is a big part of Florida history. Wishing the Florida Beef Initiative big success. Thanks, Joe. 500 sats from user 178281295547680. Our CTO told me that some of these numbers have significance, so I'm gonna just read off the whole thing. That was 500 sats from them. 220 sats from Second Breakfast. They said, everyone should have access to actual food at an affordable price. Love the work you're doing and educating people on the foods we should be prioritizing. 29,999 er, uh, sats from Bicycle Bitcoin. Value signal, the use of poppycock more than once in a discussion. 
Big boost for that. Definitely. I think he said poppycock two times, Dr. Brooke Miller. Uh, first I've ever heard that in, in real life. <clears throat> uh, 30,000 sats from our main man, Bubba. You gotta love a guy that uses the word poppycock. Good, Slim. Thanks, Doc, for your knowledge. 500 sats from Busted Canoe. We got the double beef boost. Nomad Joe coming in again. 3,300 sats. Eat more beef. 6,000 sats from Mirko Rayner. Can't wait for Ginger Hill. If you're in the area, check out Shenandoah Bitcoin Club on the Meetup app. ShenandoahBitcoin.club2 Facebook group. 1,000 sats from Jordan Brickner. 4,000 sats from Fit Old Farming Hippie. Let's go, he says. And last but not least, from user 599-727-225-395-9956 is 1,000 sats. Big shout out to Mr. Robot and everybody helping us out on the I Am Texas Slim podcast team. Make sure you guys go to beefinitiative.com. Go to the donate button and donate to the I Am Texas Slim Foundation. Continue streaming and boosting on the Fountain app and everywhere else. Uh, Podcastingapps.org, I believe, is 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 the title for it. Uh, but go to producers.beefinitiative.com backslash donate to donate today. We are on the road. We are nonstop. And uh, since I landed in Texas, I've been working about 16 hours a day. So doing the whole thing, me and Slim both. So whatever you guys have in your hearts, let's let it shine. And uh, we'll be coming to your town soon. We got the Ginger Hill Ginger Hill Summit coming up. That's the 22nd of this month, April. So get your tickets today at uh, get it at beefinitiative.com backslash events or just go to beefinitiative.com and click on the events uh, link. We have May 5th and 6th, we have the Ozark Food Intelligence Summit um, hosted by our man Todd Wheel. Uh, Todd Wheel Farms So definitely check that out Uh, It's the first time I'm traveling around the country and We went through cattle country and I was just astonished at the amount of cattle in in Texas and I didn't think I'd see anything more beautiful until I got to the Ozarks and My goodness gracious. You definitely do not want to miss it. So get your tickets today Um, We also want to announce that we've got two uh, internships running. You can apply at bitcoinerjobs.com. We need a digital media specialist, video editing, graphics, the whole thing. Uh, And we also need, we need our Joanna Hoffman. If you don't know who Joanna Hoffman is, look up uh, Joanna Hoffman, Apple, Steve Jobs, 
and uh, we need this person. This is for the internal communications operator. So you will be responsible for making sure that the Beef Initiative and Texas Slims Media and all the parties that are working with us get all the info they need. You will be the nucleus of this operation. So we're looking for long-term people. We're hodlers. We're hodlers. We're hodlers of people, of, val of people with value and of values. And uh, so if you think you're that person and you want to get involved with the most hard-hitting, truth-splitting group this side of every river, then go ahead and apply now, bitcoinerjobs.com. That's it for me. We're going to hear from Cole Bolton next. Hometown Meats, KNC Cattle. Let's get into it. Hey guys, Texas Slim here. This is I Am Texas Slim podcast, and we are back at the ground zero of Hometown Meats, where basically almost all of this started in Central Texas. We're with our favorite rancher, Cole Bolton of KNC Cattle. Cole, how are you doing, brother? I'm good. Uh, glad that Friday's finally here. Uh, getting ready for a big weekend on a retail floor, and been great we actually had rain and so it's starting to green up and life is good in central texas well it's been uh, it's been over a year and a half it's been a year since we uh, met in kerrville this month and uh we didn't even have concrete here last year but you had a vision and you had a plan and uh we've been waiting for you to get your feet from you know underneath you and within the beef initiative you know moving forward this year we're really going to be talking about processing centers and the importance of processing centers in the beef industry, community building, and basically the overall, uh, I guess, stability of the rancher and how it's been a bottleneck of the past, recent past, but here you are basically pioneering into a new way that we had before in Texas, and a lot of people don't understand where we came from. And you're kind of bringing that back. Tell us a little bit about Hometown Meats. So I have a partner, Two Bar C Ranches, owned by Clyde Summerlotti. He and I, you know, I got into this business about five years ago. I was in it and wanted to bring higher genetics so that our marbling was more in line with where I wanted in the product I wanted to bring to market. And we decided that, you know, we saw the need as our company grew for processing. It wasn't really readily available in Central Texas or within a a two hour range from us. We have a few other plants over here, but most of them are just too small. Yeah. And so what we got together, we wanted to design a facility that can meet um, a much larger audience and be able to fit in more ranchers on a short time frame, uh, hire the best people that we can hire, uh, invest our money right back into the city that we're in in Luling. And then inevitably we wanted to build out a retail space so that folks can come buy that product directly from us or then go to the farmers markets or directly to the ranchers that we're processing for so it was kind of the perfect perfect mixture of of all things and we've been open now almost six months and it's uh it's finally starting to catch wind in the right direction well it, it comes with a lot of opportunities and you know just being here in luling it really does help build a community but it puts something on the roadmap as far as you know sourcing food market access is a big conversation that we're really pushing within the beef initiative and to understand market access or the lack thereof 
is definitely an issue in the United States. It's uh, something that Texas is leading, and you know, you and Clyde with you know Two Bar C um, are kind of leading that charge. What do you see moving forward now that you've got the processing plan up? You're bringing in more producers, basically, to process and harvest their cattle through the processing center. They usually don't have those options. So there's a few things that you're really bringing that the public needs to understand. Yeah, you know, one is availability. Uh, most processors have a several month waiting list. And yes, because we're new, uh, we don't have a list necessarily, but also just mainly due to our size, we've been able to not have to have that list in order. Two, we're being able to bring a higher level of fabrication than most other butchers around. Um, you know, we do a lot more in-depth uh, subprimal cutting. Uh, our offerings are greater. As far as the product that, uh, that we harvest and we sell, uh, we're doing an all-natural product. Um, we raise 100% Angus, uh, free of antibiotics, hormones, mRNA. Um, all those things have played such a vital role. And most importantly, we're being able to take care and raise, the, raise our animals from start to finish. And so it cuts out the middlemen, whereas you, know, you go to Whole Foods and your price point is so much higher on all-natural beef, now you can buy locally and we're cheaper. And that's something we've really pushed on our model to leave our beef as, and as affordable as we can to the community so that we can reach more mouths and more tables. Right, whenever we started with the, uh, the beef initiative, you know, we kind of wanted to feed a nation. You know, we wanted to really shotgun it out there saying, hey, we can, you can have this type of market access, you know, through the beef initiative and you were shipping across the nation, but now you as KNC Cattle, Two Bar C, Hometown Meats, you really want to feed Texas. Yep. And that's very, uh, you know, that, that's important for people to understand as far as, you know, ranchers, producers in the beef initiative, they come in, we need other people doing exactly what you're doing, kind of in the regions, because it really is important to be able to source your food, the market access that you need to create by consumer demand. I think sometimes the hardest thing to do is change people's consumer demand. Right. And what it is, it's a it's a lack of understanding that you know who controls the supply and the distribution, who supplies basically the beef itself. We don't have country of origin. We don't know where our beef comes from really anymore. And there's a lot of deceptions within the labeling. Whenever you basically create a relationship with uh, basically the community in which you're stewarding here, people learn that they don't have to have all these certifications and all these labels on their food. It's that the relationship building is the most important thing. Yeah, I would agree. You know, most everyone that comes in here immediately wants to buy ribeyes, right? Right. So they want to know what they come from, what breed, how old. Uh, and so much of that has changed to where our customers come in, they pretty much already know they're getting anywhere from a 14 to a 28 day aged uh, steak. But more importantly, we've taught them about, you know, other products that they feel safe going out and venturing with us, trying tri-tips and picanhas and some of these other cuts that historically they wouldn't have that opportunity, that relationship to learn about cooking procedures and cutting procedures on how you do a lot of this unless someone taught them. And so we're really taking the time to, to, to spend educating our client and customer base and it's uh, paid dividends thus far. Right. You talk about, you know, recipes and ways to prepare. You, you and I uh, and, you know, old Butch, he works with you here at Hometown's Meats. We came up with the Cattleman's uh, Kill It and Grill It, the Cattleman's Feast. 
and you know that's something that we want to offer moving forward is because it does bring that education you know how are you going to prepare your beets how are you the recipes that come along with that the different types of preparation just basically doing the anatomy of the cow in a way that basically you can leverage as far as the different types of the cow that we don't get through the supermarket sure you know from the Bacania cuts the you know the Denver cut to the Merlot to you know there's, there's numerous that once people find them is that they realize that there's there's an opportunity there but once again it starts with building that relationship no, it does and two you know there is a huge shortage of people in this industry, specifically going into the butchery industry. Yeah. You, a lot of guys that claim to be butchers have worked at a grocery store and have cut steaks off of Primal, but they don't know how to break whole carcasses. And what can be disappointing to even other ranchers is, you know, if you're in New York and you use a local processor, they may or may not know how to do this level of fabrication. You may not have that luxury to get that. So what we're hoping to do is to educate more and more folks that want to go into this industry so that they can offer that value-add service back to their clientele. And hopefully we, we open the doors where people understand the value of the whole cow and not the value of a ribeye. Right. And you do something that a lot of people don't really do anymore. Um, you've kind of put your foot into, you know, you've tested different markets. You've, uh, you've spread the, the wealth of beef across the United States. You kind of scale back now. But, I mean, you, you have people in Dallas. You have people in Houston. You have people in San Antonio. You have people in Austin. What you're doing there is you're basically educating and building community there as well. Strategically, I think Hometown Meats is basically based, uh, you know, decision-making was basically the logistics of Hometown Meats right here in Lillian, Texas. Exactly. We, uh, we kind of designed it intentionally on the, within the triangle of Texas. You have Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Austin, and we wanted to be right in the middle and be as accessible as we could from a distribution standpoint. But two, we, we wanted to find a highway in which people are traveling so that hopefully if we can't catch them on a social media platform we can catch them when they see signage right and it's opened a lot of doors it is a slow process for folks to get here it's been slow for us because you know what's hard for us to judge is what our traffic's going to be today and what it's going to be tomorrow and we've had days where our counters are completely empty and we're pulling out of the freezer restocking but um We've just kind of met every challenge and continue to evolve and, and, and get better. Well, it is. It's a slow step. It's low time preference, as the Bitcoiners like to say. But what it is, it, it really happens through education and consumer demand. And, you know, I always tell everybody, you know, the way I speak and my articulation of narrative is that this is a call to action. This isn't a marketing plan. This is about basically, you know, supporting those in which uh, live and die to feed you. This is a hard industry. It's not something you do to go ahead and get rich. You're doing it because it's part of your culture. It's part, it's how you were raised. Right. And it's something that we need to save as far as American heritage. And, you know, that's something a lot of people really don't have access to. You know, we did the Cattleman's Feast and Kill It and Grill It out there at Two Bar C. We opened up the gates, basically. And what people need to understand is whenever you dive into this type of consumption and this type of market access, that it is a new lifestyle. And it's something that basically helps build family, it helps build community. 
how do you see that every day? Because you're developing so many relationships. People are reaching out to you. I mean, we have Ronnie. He came to you from the very beginning. He heard us on a podcast. You're bringing in people that basically, you know, you've changed their lives. You're a very humble man, but what are you getting as far as feedback from the community itself? Well, I mean, we get a lot of feedback just on the product and uh, alone and, and the beef cuts that people get and, you know, how, how it is so different and it tastes so different and they never want to go back. But more than anything, that grassroots movement where people have connected and be, been able to share a meal with someone else and we get to hear about that experience and not just on the food side about ways in which people are connecting easily through food. For me, you know, with Bitcoin Network, I've been able to add lots of friends, business counterparts, uh, and all my different avenues of businesses that I'm involved in. They've all just kind of interworked and interconnected to where we've built a whole community of people that, uh, that really believe in, in sustainable agriculture, that really believe in um, sourcing their own, their own product and not relying on these corporate entities to, to tell them and guide them on what they eat. Uh, but most importantly, we've we've just come up with a whole community of people that freaking love beef. Yeah. And because of that, we all can connect in a special way, and um, it it has no borders. I mean, we've had folks reaching out. I know with the Beef Initiative, you've taken it international for us. We have people all the time all across the country asking, how do we do this? Who do I go to? Who can I contact? So it's it's interesting that it's opened so many eyes for folks. Yeah, it is opening eyes, and if we can, like you say, no borders, uh, because the grass and the cows are pretty much the same, the people are the same, our spirits are the same, you know, beef has been something that we've uh, basically honored throughout the history of time and civilizations, and it's time that people really start basically pointing their compass in that direction. Um, we talk about, you know, the beef initiative. And whenever I came out to you the first time and I shook your hand, a lot of people don't really understand what I meant by that in the beginning, but I think they're starting to see. And I sure. tell everybody now, you know, Beef Initiative is about building relationships. And, you know, it's built on trust and respect. And, you know, within the, with us, our collaboration and our partnership that we've established in the Beef Initiative, there's an obligation there. And you and I basically know that this partnership and relationship that we've established, it basically has accountability to it. And so I think a lot of people are starting to see that they have accountability as far as supporting basically their local rancher. Yeah, I think uh, you're exactly right. I think uh, kids are learning that milk doesn't come from the grocery store, it comes from the cow <laughs> finally. Uh, they're learning that the, the hamburger they eat comes from the dirty guy who drives the black pickup that we right. go see once a month. But uh, yeah, I think people are really understanding the value of it. And more importantly for the agriculture industry and for producers, we're finally able to, to control our own profits and our own earnings and not have uh, so many different hands in that, in that pie taken. Yeah. Uh, well, right now, I mean, most ranchers are operating 
at a minimal to a negative uh, margin of cash flow, this gives them another option where they can start to actually make make some money with their op with their operation. Well, and that's that's what I think people don't understand because usually if you're kind of you know if you're selling to the the processing centers or to the feed yards per se, you know your profit margins are something that make may get you through the next twelve months, and that's what you're doing. You're you're breaking even. But having the market access through hometown meets, you can leverage the whole cow in the way that you haven't been able to in the last basically, let's say, 50 years, the, sure. you know, the, the evolving of that. This is a powerful thing, and we need more processing centers just like hometown meets, maybe a little bit smaller, maybe, well, I don't know, you're, you're the best you know, judgment of that. But one thing that we get as far as the whole flow from the integration from the soil to the fork, people don't know what happens to that cow. We have a lot of misinformation out there in the United States right now when it concerns antibiotics, steroids, mRNA vaccinations. Let's set everybody straight. Where do we stand? Where do we stand as the beef initiative? Where do you stand as a rancher in the state of Texas and basically a processing center? No, I think I think there is a, is a huge need to continue expanding. Uh, the opportunities of more processing facilities. Um, you know, maybe a lot of them don't necessarily need to be to the scale or the size of this one. Uh, what we're finding is, you know, now it's due to our size, it has caused some of our other competitors uh, to struggle. Um, in these rural, in these urban, you know, we're in, we're in a rural area outside of a huge urban uh, metroplex. Right. And so uh, we see less and less producers. Uh, fortunately for us, as we were talking about our strategy, you know, Gonzales uh, County is one of the top 10 largest cow-calf uh, counties in the state of Texas. So that was intentional and that made sense for us, but it's getting harder and harder for producers. But I think, uh, I think as more folks are open to that, then producers will quit taking directly to an auction barn or to that feed yard and that demand for having these type of facilities will go up, but we've got to get the consumers first to be able to go sell the product too. Yeah, and that's the hardest part. A lot of people don't realize that. It's like, hey, you can open up a processing center, but if you don't have the product to process, you're kind of shit out of luck. Right, <laughs> right. And you do, you go belly up really fast. I think that's one, of, and not to toot our own horn there, because you're the beef initiative, I'm the beef initiative, but one thing that we are doing is we're attracting consumers into basically a portal that they can search and they can find you know, those consumers. I think a lot of producers, besides you and Jason and Justin, and you guys were asked to come to the beef initiative, but every other producer that's coming through the beef initiative has been voluntarily. If they have access through a hometown meets, that gives them more freedom to come in and start ba ba basically becoming soil to fork. Yeah. It's always been the bottleneck. It's the bottleneck moving forward. It's something that we have to understand, and that's why this year I'm telling everybody that basically hometown meets is the center of the universe when it comes to the beef initiative and to basically your beef and market access and lack thereof. And if we can really educate everybody around Luling, Texas, Hometown Meats, KNC Cattle, 2-Bar C, I think that we're on to something. And it, what we can do is we can build out locally and we'll just broadcast globally. I just got back from Australia, you know, and that's all I did was talk about the Beef Initiative, you and Jason and Justin and everything that you guys are having success with. Absolutely. Let's talk about that because 
and this is a question I've never asked you before, but before Beef Initiative, before I came out there and we established this relationship, were you talking to as many producers as you are now? No. Um, I dealt with a lot of producers on another level. I was buying cattle uh, commercially right. long before I got into this business. but. No, I think now what I've found is a lot more are reaching out with questions, uh, wanting to understand what we're doing, wanting to understand how they can get involved. Uh, part of it, some industry shifts too, Yeah, uh, have guided more to want to consider. Um, and I think too, people are, are not as intimidated because they realize that the consumer is no longer so much after the rancher uh, with all the emissions crap that was going on. Right. And, cow farts and then uh, with PETA and we're finding that more and more really realize that so much of that was a, such a false misconception. Uh, we're good people that that really uh, focus heavily on how we take care of animals and with that uh, yeah I've had more producers. Yeah it seems like it's a perfect storm of uh, people kind of being a wake they're, yeah. they're kind of getting awareness to them that hey we're tired of those deceptions we want to get back to you know kind of where we came from and right. it, I think it's a power move you know for a lot of people a lot of families a lot of parents sure you know there's a lot of moms out there that don't really know how to feed their children right now they know that maybe supermarket beef is not the best and they're starting to come in. You know, looking at our demographic of customer within the beef initiative, and I'm sure you can reflect on this, it is, it's the mama bears. It's, you know, the, the, the moms trying to feed their family and, you know, they're establishing relationships and they're very powerful in this. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's what, once again, that's, they love to build community. And it's something I believe that moving forward, as we grow this out, we're going to have more successes and we're going to have a bigger voice. I mean, we're going up to Virginia. I'll be going up to Virginia. Butch is going to fly up to Virginia. We're going to do the Cattleman's Feast. The Cattleman's Feast is basically education of the cuts of the cow and making it sure that everybody can afford those cuts of the cow. Right. And, and you want to do more and more of those Cattleman's Feasts. How many do you want to do here in Central Texas? Well, I know this year, you know, hometown, we're gonna probably start doing them once a quarter, but yeah. we've had so much demand. Butch's phone has been blowing up. Folks want us to come to Fort Worth, San Antonio, Austin, Odessa, Midland, Lubbock. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm not sure. I think, you know, we'll probably try to do one a month yeah. and reach this big of an audience as we can well we can get people to come here you right. know and that's that's the whole you know that's the lifestyle that's the basically you know screw disney let's go to luling texas and go hang out with uh cole and butch and beef initiative and everybody else right absolutely so i see a trailer full of horses and i see a flat bay. where are you headed headed to south texas uh and helping uh put on a, a benefit team roping in South Texas. So. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that you're a professional team roper, but you haven't probably got to team rope much lately. Yeah, I haven't been uh, been practicing or competing a whole lot, but I'll get to play a little bit this weekend maybe. Well, <laughs> you know what? I heard a story about some dude roping a freaking cow in the middle of a Tesla plant one time. So. Uh, I'm going to track that story down and see what we can come up with. Yeah, yeah, let me know how that one goes. <laughs> well, 
Well, I hear there's a video somewhere. I don't know, but you know. Yeah, I've got it on my phone. I'm going to release it at some point in the near future. Well, we're going to make sure the time is right. Just got to make sure Elon Musk won't put me in Twitter jail. Right. And, uh, as long as he don't do that. <laughs> well, we're going to become the social media because everybody's going to be flumming, uh, come flooding in through the beef initiative that I already are, thanks to your help, Cole. No, my is pleasure. there anything else you would like everybody out there to know? If you had to answer all your DMs, all your emails, all your phone calls, all at once, what would it be? <laughs> I'm sorry, I tried. <laughs> I'll do better. Um, yeah, I, man, I've been terrible, with, especially with the DMs and the emails. I've yeah. been trying to catch them as much, but you know, once, you, once we go behind the walls here, I have no service from here on for the rest of the day, and so, I have missed calls and, and uh, we've been, I've been running several directions uh, this last year. And I keep saying it's gonna get better, but we just keep getting bigger every time right. it happens. <laughs> but we're getting our infrastructure in place. So hopefully I'll, I'll be a lot better and, and uh, then I won't have the whole Beef Initiative team ready to shoot me either because I'm not so good at, at answering those phone oh, calls. I don't ever take it personal. I know I, you told me from day one, you said, well, people kind of get pissed off at me sometimes because yeah. I kind of have to wait to the last minute because I'm kind of busy. Yeah, you've been here two days and I think I've seen you uh, maybe like, well, now this would be 30 minutes, maybe 30 others, so an hour and two days. <laughs> well, I don't worry about it because you're the beef initiative too. I mean, you are a part of the beef initiative. Oh, for sure. You're a damn sure. pioneer of the beef initiative. So you have your interests, you know, where they need to be. So I don't, I don't lose too much sleep. Now, uh, you did call me when I was in Bangkok, though. Yeah, I did. Yeah. That was kind of fun. Yeah, it was nice living vicariously through you uh, <laughs> there in Australia and thinking, man, what would a vacation be like? Then Where I just, do you want to go? I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. I don't think you go on vacations, Cole. Not really. I'm, I'm pretty simple. Uh, you I go, go to West Texas for a vacation. <laughs> I have gone there a few times. We got a place in New Mexico and... Uh, we go stay there. I, I, I'll run to the coast for a weekend and go go fishing. But, yeah. Um, I, I want to be close to everything right now, and, and and especially with the new facility and yes, all the horrendous things that we are happening uh, to food processing facilities. And then yesterday, my good friends and Demet, yes. are, you know, beginning of the week, eighteen thousand head of dairy cows burn up in that that barn. That was a it's going to hurt. Well, and people want to know, because once again, we should be answering a question of why. Why did that happen? We know West Texas. Yeah. We know the wind. We know fires. We know a lot of things. Well, they haven't really, I, I've heard a lot of the rumors of what yeah. it was, but I think what happened is they had a bearing go out and a manure spreader. Yeah. And what they don't understand is when you bring all them cows into those barns, they have, you know, they're feeding those cows alfalfa and silage all day long. So when that West Texas wind grabs a hole, it can spread that fire right down silage bunks yep. as quick as could be. Um, it is. It, it just, it's almost like a combustion that happens it is. pretty fast. And then you have that much coming. You have methane. You have everything on in mm. trapped space. And it was just a recipe for disaster. But, you know, there is an importance for that. There's also an importance where you, as a consumer, if you want to just go buy directly from a small farm, you can. But, um, you know, I've been hearing all day from from ranching friends up there of mine of, of folks that are showing up, protesters, throwing, you know, trying to come onto their properties. And people still need to realize, though, you, you know, 
when you milk a cow, you don't walk out in the middle of the pasture with a bucket like Laura Ingalls on. Uh, uh, what it. was that? Uh, it was a little house. Little in the house prairie. on the prairie. That's what it was. Um, <laughs> realistically, that's not the situation. Even in small homesteads, you're taking them into a barn and you milk them. But when you have a facility of that size, that's you know, it was a recipe for yeah or something awful well in west texas the wind blows and you know the thing about you know even we've talked about processing centers everybody's like oh this is nefarious all these processing centers are you know blowing up one thing a lot of people don't understand the combustible air the gas running through these lines these things are somewhat of a ticking time bomb yeah whenever you're dealing with agriculture you bring it up you have the manure you have all the basically the alfalfa whatever it is that input that they bring in that is flammable materials these things are pressurized right dairy centers well they have a lot of combustible items these things do happen uh it's best to not blame and to basically, if you really want to be a part of the industry in which you consume from, we'll go out there and be supportive. Right. You know, and, and one thing that we found in agriculture and ranching the last 50 years is whenever we went big, you know, as Eric Butt said, you know, go big or go home, the monocropping, the commoditization of everything, you, you know, the subsidization that happens in certain ways, it created a competition between producers and ranchers. Sure. What I like to say is there is no competition within regenerative and sustainable ag. It's a collaboration. It is. It's, it's going to take thousands and thousands of us to do it to support if every American switched their eating habits and wanted to buy direct. Yep. Um, the other model is it still is going to take thousands and thousands to be able to support that demand because it is a different limelight. It's not the commoditization of the feed yard. You can't put as many animals in an enclosed area. So uh, it's going to take a lot more folks on board uh, to make that happen and, um, and, and really to be able to grow it to scale because I do think the demand will be there. Uh, aged beef has a whole different taste profile. Yeah. That's why we no longer have discussions about, well, what's the difference in this versus the ground beef at the grocery store? <laughs> and my answer is apples to oranges. Pretty much. Uh, taste profile, aging, all the above, nutritional value. I, I don't even put our, our local producers in that same category. Uh, no. and, and it never will be because the aging of that beef does such magical wonders. Uh, to the food. Well, they don't understand. Again, and that's one thing that doesn't happen with store-bought beef is the aging. If it's aged, it's aged in a way that you really doesn't have a, an effect. But, you know, whenever my parents, you know, they come from West Texas, and I get every week, so when it's cold, we're going to send us some more beef. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's because of the taste profile. But here they are in their late 70s, early 80s, and they're worried about their health and their health has actually improved this last year that a year and a half that they've been consuming your beef people need to understand this this is you know people look at these things and they say well it's too expensive it's not too expensive they try to compare it to the commoditized and subsidized beef that is in the supermarket right. there is no comparison what is your health worth what is your long-term health worth? Whenever you start eating beef like this from hometown meats, you buy less product from the supermarket. You're spending less. Right. And so you eat less as well. So, but it takes education. Yeah, and then it goes back to that same thing about community circle. When you buy from us, you buy from another rancher. 
I'm employing 28 uh, other folks that live right here in Luling. Their dollars are going right back into the community as well. Uh, we donate very heavily in our own community. We're having educational reach outs. Uh, I'm a huge proponent, even in the banking industry, you know, if customers don't have deposits with us and don't, they just want loans, you know, when they go put that money with an online bank or Wells Fargo, that money moves all across the world. Right. If you're going to bank locally, the, our bank is going to turn around and invest right back into the communities that we're at. We want to lend money here. We want to grow our own communities. So I think it's just been kind of that full circle investment right back into Luling, Central Texas, Texas. And I mean, we, we are shipping all across the country and uh, we're going to keep on doing what we're doing. About to ramp it up. Uh, I've been waiting to get louder just so you get your feet underneath you here. My job now is to sell the most beef that you've ever sold. And if I'm not doing my job, you're gonna let me know. Understood. Yeah, and what you out there, you have to do post setting, you have to change the consumer demand. A lot of people like to say, well, why is this happening? Go look in the mirror and say, well, why am I not sourcing my food locally? I think you just gave the best reason to yeah. So, on that note, so, uh, I'm very proud to have met you. And basically, this is something that neither of us knew that was going to transpire in the way that it happens. Agreed. Uh, we've had some good successes, but really, we haven't even got started yet. And, you know, everybody out there, this is a hard life. This is something that, uh, you know, the cowboy way doesn't ask for a lot of help. But what they do is they lead with an example and a proof of work that a lot of people don't get to see. Thanks for opening up your gates, your My hearts, pleasure. your storefronts, your family, everything to the beef initiative, everybody out there. Um, I think we're onto something. So uh, why, don't you, uh, why don't you go have a couple of hours off at the back of your horse and have a good time this week? I'm going to try. Right. I'm going to try. Thank you. Take care. Yes, sir. Uh -huh.